Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. In-person meetings are starting back up, but not everyone may feel comfortable being at a meeting in person. No problem, though. Westminster AB can easily make your event a hybrid setup for both in-person attendees and remote attendees. Turn your event hybrid and include everyone. Visit Westminster AB online right now at westminsterab.com or call 216-325-6960. One more time, westminsterab.com or 216-325-6960. From the corner of Carnegie and Ontario, it's two middle-aged men in Cleveland, featuring former comedy club owner and entrepreneur, Scott Edwards. And now, two funny-looking guys, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, two funny guys, Ted Klopp and Ken Dwarsnick. Well, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland trying to stay warm after Mother's Day because we had snow and rain and 40 degrees. As we're kicking off episode 54, Ted Klopp, Ken Dworznik. Ted, I know we like to start off talking about what's going on with the week or what we did. Yeah. I kind of have some exciting news today, if you can Mm. give me about a minute. So recently... USA Today had a poll out and they came out with the 10 best art districts in the U.S. Okay. I heard about this earlier in the week. So do you know who the number one art, who has the number one art district in the U.S. according to the USA Today? No. Cleveland, Ohio University Circle. Wow. Wow. Come get some, man. How awesome is that? We're ahead of Northeast Minneapolis, Dallas, Houston, and Baltimore. I mean, that is a heck of an honor. If you think of all the different art galleries and art districts there are across the country, and through this USA Today poll, Cleveland's name number one. That is unbelievable. I love it. That is so great. Have that you is, spent time at like the art gallery and all that? Have you been down there? It is beautiful down there. I, I love, and even as an adult, I know as a kid, I always enjoyed going into the court of uh, armor, but even as an adult, I still enjoy going in there. I used to take my dad, I think once a week. Um, no, the art, the art museum is always free. They have the, the special events yes. that are not free, 
but I yeah. would take my dad down there periodically and we'd walk around and check things out. And he loved going there. He was there. He would go there when he could drive, he would go there probably weekly. And I would go with him sometimes And the Dakota, the, the armory court is just amazing, but all the yeah. art there is unbelievable. That's cool. Actually speaking about events coming up, I believe in, I want to say it's October, November, December, they're going to have a Van Gogh exhibit that you have to hmm. pay a little extra money for, but we actually uh, got tickets are going to go to that, but gosh, I was so excited to hear about that. I mean, once again, you know, we, we hear that saying Cleveland rocks. Well, I'll be honest with you. It really does to be honest yep. with you with all we have to offer in our, in our town. It's pretty exciting. That is awesome. And I don't know, uh, a Van Gogh exhibit. Are we going to hear about it? Great question. Ted. <clears throat> Anyhow, I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah. I'll yeah. have to give you the update. I'll, I'll, I'll be <clears throat> listening. Anyhow, coming up on this show, comedy club owner and entrepreneur Scott Edwards is going to be subjected to bad jokes. He's here. We're going to talk about a bunch of things with him, including how we can still be funny or if we can in 2021. Steve Muehlhausen from The Zone is ready to get in the ring and ask him about WWE's Daniel Bryan, his contract, or perhaps lack thereof. We have some good news about the coronavirus involving bees. A Cleveland landmark turns 99 this week. Tell you all about it in This Week in Cleveland History. My wife has made a contribution to the show. You'll hear about it with a great moment in parenting. And in Klopp's Clips, a property owner in Michigan created a wall to designate the property line with his neighbor. But it's what he used for the line or fence that is the story here. Dad, here's some good news. Dutch researchers say they have trained honeybees to stick out their tongues when they smell the coronavirus. Bees apparently have a very strong sense of smell. So scientists used a Pavlovian conditioning method to train about 150 of them with about a 95% accuracy rate. Oh, wow. They say the method is cheap and could cut the waiting time for test results to seconds, making it useful for countries where tests are scarce. Hmm. I... <laughs> That, that's some stinging information, <clears throat> but I, I, well, here's, here's the most important part. Did you know that a bee has a tongue? Did you know this? I, no, I, I, I didn't know a bee had a tongue. I didn't know, did that. I know that bees had strong sense of smell either. That's all very they got good stingers, but I didn't know they had a tongue. That's, well, that's news to me. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of people that stick their tongues out at me, but I've never had a bee do it. <laughs> well, not that you know of, it could have happened. Right, that's true. That's true. Well, I guess, for what it's worth, that apparently is some good news. Blah, blah, blah. 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 Our guest today is an entrepreneur having opened more than a dozen companies, including a submarine and beach shack and being a disco producer. He's also produced live comedy shows, TV series, and concerts. He opened a chain of very successful comedy clubs called Laughs Unlimited, where he's worked with some of the biggest names in comedy, Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, Bob Saget, Dana Carvey, and of course, 
two middle-aged men in Cleveland. <laughs> so let's talk with Scott Edwards. Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Scott Edwards. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. That's enough. All right. Good to be here. This is exciting. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you uh, uh, playing along there, but uh, quite the list of guys that you have worked with. Uh, obviously, comedy clubs has been a big part of your life. Tell us how you got involved in comedy clubs and got to the the, the obviously high level that you did. <laughs> well, high level, that's a, a matter <laughs> of interpretation. But yeah, it's it was kind of an interesting story. I was uh, 23 years old. I was selling life insurance and absolutely miserable. And I went on vacation to uh, Los Angeles with my uh, then girlfriend, soon to be wife, soon to be ex-wife. And uh, we went by this club called the Comedy Store, but it wasn't the main one on Sunrise, Sunset, I'm sorry. It was in uh, Westwood next to UCLA, small room. And that night I met Dave Coulier, Sandra Bernhardt, and a few other people. And when we left, uh, I turned to my girlfriend and said, man, they need this in Sacramento. And uh, the next day came up and quit my job and went bankrupt so I could jump into this. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah, sure. Scott, I've been a huge fan of comedy forever. And obviously this is such a great topic for me to talk about, but obviously going back to you owning the club and things like that, I can only imagine the experiences you had working with some of the people that were mentioned in the beginning. Talk about those, some of those experiences and were they kind of like experiences that you thought you would have with those people? Well, keep in mind, Ken, that uh, they weren't famous at the time. When I started, they were just getting started as well. So yeah, Seinfeld and Leno took off pretty quick. But some of the guys that really helped me start the club were Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, and Gary Shandling. And all three of those guys didn't really get their careers going until several years later. Um, you know, Bob Saget, Dave Coulier ended up on Full House. Gary Shandling had the Larry Sanders show and then the Gary Shandling show and uh Seinfeld, actually, he was working for me when he got the Seinfeld Chronicles and had to cancel a gig. And he's such a straight up guy that after the first season, he came back and worked for me at the same money, even though now he was had his own sitcom. And uh, it, that, I mean, it was just uh, great times. There are a lot of different professions where you can, I don't know if stereotype is the right term, but you know, all the guys who work in this are shysters. All the guys who work over here are honest guys, blah, 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 et cetera. Wait a minute. I'm a club owner. How did I fall into that? I, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> but what I was curious about was guys who do comedy comedians are the majority of them straight up guys. Are they uh, uh, good to deal with? Honest? Do you have problems? It, what can you say? I think that's a great question, Ted. Uh, it's a lot like any other industry. You have your good and your bad. So we certainly had the partiers, uh, you know, drugs coming into the club, heavy drinkers, heavy smokers, uh, irresponsible people that would miss a gig or show up late for a gig. However, we were really lucky that we got in with some high-end people in the beginning and they introduced us to other high-end people. So we were able to work with 
professionals. And I think that's the difference is there's a, it was the beginning of the wave of the comedy revolution. And there was a lot of wannabes that weren't really professional. And I felt really blessed. I fell in with a group of uh, professionals. And so they showed up for their gigs. They respected the stage. They did the time I paid them for. Um, you know, I, I really had a lucky path. Scott, you talked about obviously working with Seinfeld, and obviously we could talk a little bit more about him later. But my question is, you've worked with so many different comedians. Maybe it's a tough question, but who's the person that you saw that did stand-up comedy that you had the chance to work with where you're like, wow, this guy or this lady is really good. I know they're going to be successful. I would say the uh, first indication was Dana Carvey. He was just an opening act out of San Francisco when he first came to work for me. He could do voices, he could do impressions, he did music. He was a really good stand-up comic. And uh, working with him, I was not surprised at all when one Saturday evening after a show, we were sitting in a jacuzzi having cocktails and he said, hey, I just got a call from uh, Lauren Michaels. I'm going to New York next week. Wow. And it was like so exciting to share that moment with him. Wow. He was both excited and a little frightened because it was a big move. Of course, it made his career. <laughs> yeah, I would guess. I, I, that's, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Um, so talking about comedy in 2021, is it hard for comedians to still be funny Nowadays, I know you don't, you're not actively, uh, you've sold your, your uh, interest in the comedy clubs, but you're still involved in different ways. So what can you say about that? Yeah, it, it, it's a challenging time. In fact, one of the great benefits and uh, of having this podcast be a, oh, I'm sorry, stand up comedy, your host and MC, uh, my podcast, which is celebrating the eighties and the nineties, which really was the heyday of stand up comedy but I still book several shows a year and I'm because of the podcast, I'm talking to a lot of professional entertainers and they're saying that with this kind of counterculture woke society where everybody's feelings are at stake. And what's interesting, it's not even the individual's feelings, but it's the feelings that other people, Oh, that sounded bad. That might upset so-and-so. And so then they get defensive. It makes it um, a more challenging situation. Uh, I would say stand-up comedy has changed. One of the reasons I got out of the business full-time. And uh, that's a great question because it is very difficult. And this last year with COVID has made it even harder because there was nowhere to work. No, that's, that's for sure. And obviously people are still struggling with that whole thing and things of that sort. Scott, obviously we talked about the comedy, talked about the people you've worked with. You're an entrepreneur. Talk about some of the other businesses you've been involved with besides comedy. Well, uh, I am a bit of a serial entrepreneur, Ken. I started off when I was 17 with a small construction company. When I was 19, I was a portable DJ. I played, uh, disco music don't don't hate me uh before the movie saturday night fever came out we were doing weddings and school parties and uh laughs unlimited was my third company but it was very successful in the 80s lots of money was coming in and i'm not good with money and i love 
starting businesses. So I opened up two restaurants, uh, opened up a couple art galleries, and then on a kind of strange fling, I uh, bought into a submarine. Uh, it was a tourist submarine that we ran out of Monterey, California for about a year and a half. By the way, that business failed. <laughs> we ended up uh, selling the uh, submarine to the Wrigley family, and it's still operating in Catalina Island. Oh, my gosh. But wow. uh, my operation in Monterey, the water was too cold, and there was a problem with algae bloom, and it, it just didn't take off. And then one of the other kind of fun things was I took on a partner, and we bought a beach shack on the wow. big, big island of Hawaii, and we had that for about five years. But I got to tell you, it was so tough to work that beach shack with all the young ladies in their bikinis on the beach. <laughs> I was struggling. Uh, uh, struggling in what way? Uh, mm. Struggling to stay in the shack. Okay. <laughs> no, it was, it was, you know, I was just talking to a good friend and comic, Bruce Smirnoff out of Florida. And he was saying how he would laugh because he saw me, you know, one time I rented a Learjet and took a few women to Vegas and Hollywood and, Another time I rented a plane and flew people to Napa for lunch. I mean, I wasn't good with money, but I was having a great time. And he was, he's the opposite. He, he saved every dime and he's living really high on his uh, stack of money in Florida, but I'll never regret the fun I had back uh, at the time. <laughs> well, being a comedy club uh, entrepreneur in, in the various aspects that you were, I have a quick story to share, and maybe you can give me a little guidance. Uh, I may have a budding comedian in my home as my youngest son, who plays hockey. I think we talked about this on the show last weekend. He got kicked off the ice by the coach, but not oh. because he was um, not because he was, you know, uh, hitting people the wrong way or anything like that. No, he was at the front of the line for the next drill. And he kept trying to tell the coach a knock-knock joke, and he wouldn't stop, so the coach excused him from the practice. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, we're going to be talking future therapy there, okay. Ted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think the coach ever got the, the – I don't think he ever allowed my son to tell him the knock-knock joke because I asked him a couple times, did, did he tell you the knock-knock joke? And, and the coach said, no. And I said, well, you know, uh, knock, knock. And he said, who's there? And I said, well, um, it's uh, uh, Owl Say. And he said, Owl Say who? And I said, yes, they do. <laughs> so those are the, Wait a minute. the kind of comedy we're, we're working on here. But anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, that was uh, that boy. You, you, you guys. The uh, family is prime for the stage, Ted. Yeah, right. Now, maybe now I understand why the coach didn't want to hear the joke. But uh, <laughs> hey, can we well, get you to stick around for a little uh, game time with us, Scott? Sure, sure, sure. But let me slip in a quick plug. You're talking about a want uh, comics people that want to become stand-up comics. Sure. I do have a book. Uh, be a stand-up comic, or just look like one. And I'm soon to launch a comedy course based on that book. 
uh, will be out uh, before the end of the month. So if uh, your son or any other uh, people want to get into the business, I can help them. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, clearly I, uh, I have a potential agent in mind for my son already. All right. <laughs> Good for you. And now, great moments in parenting. Well, Ken, my wife and I were in the kitchen few nights ago and preparing dinner we had put the kids to bed and you know once in a while a kid will sneak down and be there and you don't know it and our kitchen there's a wall that you got to go around to get to the rest of the house so we're in the kitchen and so my wife is starting to walk out of the kitchen and she hits something with her foot and she says oh i stepped on some and she goes on around the corner and says <laughs> Oh, hi, Gus. Oh, <laughs> and she looks back at me and, oh, I wish I had a picture of the look on her face oh. at that moment. Oh, my. Gus did I, not say a word about it, but yeah. We've all been there <laughs> making comments in front of people when you're not ready for it. I think we had a small situation not too long ago where myself and Awen and Owen played golf. Owen is Awen's son. And somebody had a bad shot. I don't recall who it was. It wasn't me. And after the shot, some foul language like the word came out of that person's mouth. And there were three young children just on top of the oh. hill. Oh, they were right there to watch that person say. Yep. Well, that's. Yep, it happens every so often. Yes, it does. This has been great moments in parenting. Ken, let's get in the ring. Steve Muehlhausen from The Zone is back with us. Steve saw this week that you had the opportunity to talk to Paul Heyman and Drew McIntyre, amongst others. I'm just kind of curious, particularly Paul Heyman. He's an interesting guy, and I'm wondering if you could tell with that particular interview, were you talking to Paul Heyman, the guy, or were you talking to Paul Heyman, the TV character? Could you tell? Both. both. Okay, both. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought. <laughs> See, I, I I have a relationship with Paul outside of the media stuff. Like, we talk, we talk about every couple weeks. We'll send each other messages. He'll DM me something about, hey, good piece. I'll message him on Twitter about, hey, you know, this, you guys are killing it on SmackDown. I really enjoyed the segment, blah, blah, blah. But we had never done a formal interview. So when WWE reached out, and I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, And then I texted him. I messaged him. I'm like, hey, I'm like, we're probably going to talk. He's like, yeah. He's like, I just got the message. So he's like, he's like, we'll have some fun with it. And it was, there was times I could tell he was Paul Heyman, the guy on SmackDown. But then there were also, there were times where it was, Paul Heyman just being a regular human being like me. Interesting. Interesting. He's very media savvy. Yeah, I'll yes, he is. Yes. It that way. But a great interview. Thank you guys for reading that. It means sure. a lot. It did very well. So thank you so much. Good. Great. Can you get the uh, next one? Sure. Uh, absolutely. So, Steve, one guy that I've obviously followed for a long time, Daniel Bryan, his contract status with the WWE is kind of in question. Um, what is going on with him? And I've heard rumors that maybe he is interested in AEW. Have you heard anything to that extent? His contract ran out at the end of his, at midnight 
10 days ago now. And not many people, no one really knew what was really going on until it got reported. And it was one of those things that were like, you're like, huh. But then like I rewatched the match back and I'm like, you know what? The way they had ended made a ton of sense. You know, the way they wrote them off, took that beating. So it was one of those beatings that where he could take the long hiatus and come back to WWE, or it could be the beating to where he's never going to come back and he's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. In terms of where he's going to go, Ken, AEW, New Japan, those are really – Ring of Honor is going – I know they're going to reach out. He's got a pass with them before he ever – that's where he got put on the map was through when he was in Ring of Honor. So there's a couple players here. I don't know. There's always WWE. You know, his wife has works with them. They do the reality show on E. Yeah. So, like, the fellas got – they got a mega brand. They're worth million, multi-million. They're multi-millionaires. So, like, financially, they're fine. Daniel Bryan can go – he could be a gardener the rest of his <laughs> life. And, and they will be just fine. <laughs> he loves wrestling. And he's got a hit list of where who he'd like to wrestle and where he'd like to go. And he said it in interviews leading up to the match, which was quite shocking considering those were WWE-coordinated interviews. I was – but he's a guy that just doesn't care. Sure. He, he speaks his mind, doesn't give a you-know-what, and he plays at a beat of him because he knows they need they need him. He really doesn't need them. Sure. Type of, it's a type of situation like that. So could he end up in AEW? Absolutely. Could he end up in New Japan? Absolutely. If I had to take a guess, it's going to be one of those those two spots, or it's going to be those two spots together since now those two companies have a loose affiliation at this point. Speaking of AEW, I just saw something. They're going to start touring again in July. Tell yes. us about that. How, how big a deal is that? And what's the reaction in the wrestling world to AEW starting to tour before WWE does? That was a big surprise, Ted. I <laughs> I don't look at emails on Sunday, except for yours, Ted. Ted, you were like <laughs> literally like, I was looking at my emails and I'm like, I really don't want to look at any of these. And I, I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'll at least answer Ted's. So I answered yours, and I swear to God, that's what I did. Like I just hate looking at email on Sundays. I just kind of look real quick, and I'm like, all right, I go on with my day. But when I got the, I was looking eating breakfast yesterday. And I'm like touring so i reached out and they're like yeah they're like we're we're gonna start here and then we're gonna see then we're gonna announce more dates as the country opens back up because if you notice florida and texas the two states that are open oh pretty much <laughs> open up because i know here in illinois we're gonna be opening up they're talking july 4th yeah, which is the target date here in Illinois. I don't know what it is. What's it in Ohio, guys? I uh, the governor has said uh, he'd like to see, for example, the ballpark, uh, the Indians ballpark, be able to have a full house by July fourth. So we'll see. But, yep. uh, but people yeah. have to show up, though. Well, there is that. That's a whole different. Yeah, we've talked about how uh, you know. Does it really matter if they're at forty uh, percent capacity? Are they even going to hit that? But yeah. They're getting better. Okay, I'll stick up for them. They're getting better. We were we were leading the division for a bit, and then we got no hit. So then, it, yeah, you know, 
Who's in first place right now, by the way? I just want to hear you guys say it just to make me happy. Is it to the, uh, the team from the, the South side? The, the Sox? The White, White Sox. White Sox. Okay. The first place Chicago White Sox. Okay. AL said, hey. All right. Hey, Ken, Ken let's, quickly, us, Ted. let's quickly move to the next question, Ken. <laughs> the question back on AEW. So they have a show called Blood and Guts. This started, I think it was like uh, May 5th of this year. Are these special dynamite episodes or are these basically something different? What makes these different than the regular dynamite? It was really just, you know, it's something you're going to see. If it was my druthers, it would be just a once a year type of thing. But I think it's going to be like a twice a year type of thing. And from talking to some people there, the way they, because they have to construct this cage, they got to get the rings in. Yeah. So really the way they did it is probably the way if they're ever going to do this when they, whenever they do this again, whether it's end of this year or beginning of next year, that's the way they're going to have to do it just because the construction of the cage, having to get it down, make sure it's configured right. And now you're going to go back to arenas starting here in about two months. So I think that's going to be a little difficult. You'd have to do it at some type of outdoor facility. I would presume just, that thing's huge. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That thing isn't a regular WWE steel cage. So it's yeah. more of a bigger contraption. And But the setup was great. The match was fantastic. The end, I could have really done without. They could have come up with something better. <laughs> but it got people talking. It was a number, number one rated show on cable in 18 to 49, which is fantastic. That is huge. And it drew 1.1 million viewers. And that match in particular, average 1.2 million viewers. So the way it hit, it was a big night for AEW, a big night for TNT, and a big night for Warner Media, And more importantly, a big night for wrestling. Well, let's hit the Wayback Machine now. I know the last time we had you on, we had that great memory of uh, God wrestling Vince McMahon. I'm <laughs> going to go a little different direction this time. May 8th, 2002. NWA total nonstop action was announced on that date as an upcoming weekly pay-per-view starting in June of that year. And here's the very interesting part. Do you know who the PR contact was on that press release, Steve? Dixie Carter. Carter. Yes. Dixie Carter, the future owner of the company. Well, I guess maybe it's her parents or or Panda media, Panda energy, whatever it is, but she wound up being the, the owner, were you um, covering wrestling at that time? Were you? No. Were you? Um, what would you? What, what do you remember about that? If anything, as a fan, did you think this could work as a weekly pay per view? Obviously, it didn't last long, and they wound up on uh, Fox Fox Sports. But what do you remember about that? I get to that. I saw. I think it was like a week or two, like two weeks ago, like right after we chatted, guys. Literally, it was like the talk of Twitter was that because it was the anniversary of that match. Yeah. I'm like, this is great. Oh my God, he's wrestling God. Like, we just literally talked about that. But no, that was great. Um, back at that time, wrestling want, needed an alternative. You know, mm-hmm. look at what had happened. The WWE had bought WCW. That failed invasion at the WWE's own choosing. That, you know, yeah. that could have been. So huge. Yep. So huge. 
And they basically squashed it after eight months, which was pretty absurd and pretty ridiculous. Because um, it really didn't make anyone beside – well, it made Booker T. That yeah, was, you know, it made yeah. one guy. So, and, well, Booker T wasn't Bill Goldberg. He wasn't Hulk Hogan. He wasn't Scott Hall or Kevin Hitch. But when they came out with the Jarrett's, that was huge because it was like, okay, here's an alternative. An idea that had never been done before, going to weekly pay-per-views, they weren't much. They were 10 bucks, 10 bucks a pop. Yeah. Even you yeah. bought all four, at that time, it was the same price as a WWE pay-per-view. So you're like, okay, you're fine. You're getting four for one type of deal. Something not like the theory of that is good, but it's asking a lot of the consumer to spend, hey, you got to make a $10 investment each week. So like the pirates were just fluctuating all over the place and they burned through money. <laughs> they burned through money quicker than the United States government is right now. Oh boy. Wow. Well, I had well, to say that because it was kind of like, ah, oh, that's only an analogy I could think of. Yeah. Well, no, Biden's but that, you're, you're right on with that. I mean, they had to, they wound up uh, having to uh, get some investors and, uh, Obviously, uh, it's now Impact Wrestling. So they've one thing you, good you can say they they a company found a way to survive, yeah. and it's the one thing somehow this company, I don't know how, they always find a way to make it. They are I'm like they're just about to get that final thing shovel of dirt on them, and they rise from the ashes. And it's like just one. It's like that annoying needle and never, ever go away. But now it's good for wrestling because Impact's got a lot of good talent and they really got good management and a good, they're pretty headstrong of what they're doing right now. And they need to start getting fans inside the arena where they're at. And I think they're going to start doing that for their big, for their next pay-per-view in July. It seems like they're going to have, they're going to have, I think around like 1500 people for their next pay-per-view. Oh, so I think that's off to a good step, but, Impact's doing good right now. I All have right. to say, more often than not, Impact is more exciting than watching Monday Night Raw. Wow. All right. Fair enough. Well, before we let you go, I have come up with a trivia question for hmm. you and Ken. This well, is a multiple-choice question, and obviously it is a wrestling-related question. We'll see if either or both of you can get this one. We're going to try to – this is a uh, wrestling who am I. Okay. This wrestler – Started wrestling in 1977. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. He once appeared two times on the same WrestleMania. One of his early personas was one of his early personas was Ed Boulder. Your choices are Scott Hall, Brutus Beefcake, Ricky Steamboat. Or Jesse Ventura. Steve, you're the guest. Who do you think this wrestler is? Brutus Beefcake. Ken? That actually was going to be my answer, but I'm going to be different just, just because that's who I am. I guess I'll go with Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. Well, the correct answer is Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yeah. Brutus Beefcake's uh, real name is Ed Leslie. So I wasn't sure. I thought that might be a giveaway, but I, I saw when I was doing my research, I saw some early video of, I think it was in the AWA. He was good friends with Hulk Hogan 
and they were promoted as brothers and they were the Boulder brothers. I can't remember what, uh, I don't know if it was Terry Boulder, if that was Terry Hulk Boulder, Hogan's yeah. name, it was Terry Boulder. Okay. Terry Boulder, yeah. And he was Ed Boulder and Brutus Beefcake. If you, I, I don't remember what I found, but the, he's got this long blonde hair. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> uh, he, he should have had himself give himself a haircut. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, all right. Well, there's our trivia for uh, Get in the Ring. And Steve, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. If people want to follow you, where can they do so? Find me on Twitter at S Jr. That's S M U E H L E T U S C N J R. And there's also my Instagram as well. So I keep it nice and simple. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. We will talk to you again soon. Uh, thank you guys so much. Have a good day. Thanks, Steve. Cleveland, this is for you. Ted, your favorite segment besides Klopp's Clips has to be this week in Cleveland history. Of course. Let the joke continue. April 15th, 1922. Mm -hmm. I was. You were 12? Yeah. 12 years old. Yep. How'd you know? Dedication ceremonies are held for the New Public Auditorium, the fourth building in the group plan of public buildings now called the Mall. The main hall of Cleveland Public Auditorium, also known as Public Hall, seats 10,000 people and shares its stage with a second venue housed at the facility, the 3,000-seat Music Hall. It also offers an underground exhibition hall. Now, Public Auditorium was considered so advanced architecturally that it became the model for similar public auditoriums in Atlantic City and also Philadelphia. How about that? Hmm. The group plan of public buildings was inspired by the 1893 World's Clubbing Exposition in Chicago and part of the City Beautiful Movement. The City Beautiful Movement was a reformed philosophy of North American architecture and urban planning. Hmm. Now, the group plan commission worked for a year on Cleveland's plan, Elements of the plan that remain vital parts of Cleveland's cityscape today include the following. Get this now. The Federal Building, mm-hmm. the Cuyahoga County Courthouse, Cleveland City Hall, Public Auditorium and the Music Hall, Cleveland Board of Education Building, Cleveland Public Library, mm-hmm. and the Mall. Mm-hmm. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Now, a union terminal that was planned for the north end of the mall along Lake Erie was never built. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Well, have you been to Public Hall? I actually have. I've had two experiences there. Ashton University actually hosted the Division II wrestling tournament there at one point in time. And then I was there. (laughs) You're going to laugh. I ran a race there for the Knights of Columbus. They used to have the Knights of Columbus race. <laughs> I It was like for kids anywhere from ages, grade school. It was actually, they had professionals run, running there. Uh, Ronaldo Nehemiah ran in one time in, inside and did the hurdles, the 55 meter hurdles. But yeah, I actually ran in public hall. It was pretty cool. How about yeah. yourself? I've, I've been there a few times. It is an amazing building. I'm glad it's still there. I don't think it's used as much as maybe it could be, but. You know, 10,000 people when you've got the Convocation Center 
and the uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. The sight lines aren't as good at public hall. You know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why it's yeah. not as used as much as it used to be, but it still gets its fair share of use. And I believe they're now using it when movies come to Cleveland. If they need a large open space, they use that. So that's another use that they put that building in for. But it's an amazing and beautiful old building. Yeah, it certainly is. And I, I think the part that's just amazing is we look at that group plan commission of what they came up with, with all the different buildings they put together. That's pretty awesome because obviously all those buildings are still standing today. That's pretty amazing. Cleveland, this is for you. Time for our game time segment with entrepreneur R. Scott Edwards. His opponent is a man who has more dad jokes than anyone in the city of Cleveland, mm-hmm. Ted Klopp. Yep. Today's game is Jerry Seinfeld trivia. Oh boy. Both of our contestants will get three multiple choice questions. You'll each need to give answers, and you both can have the same answers. Today's winner will receive a book entitled, Why Is It Snowing in May? And will I ever experience a normal spring in the Midwest? So this will definitely be a bestseller very time soon. Scott, here in Cleveland, uh, Mother's Day, we had snow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we were were a a mere 92 degrees. Yeah, okay. All right. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's game show time. Let's hear it for our contestants. Go ahead, Ken, question number one. Question one, Jerry Seinfeld is considered one of the most famous comics in history. What year did Jerry Seinfeld first appear on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson in his first television appearance? Is it 1979, 1983, 1987, or 1981? Scott, you get to guess first. I believe it's 1980. Ooh, I was going to say 83, but it could have been 81. Oh, geez. I'm going to go with... uh... 83. Okay, Mr. Clark. I'll go with uh, I'll go with 81. I have no idea. I, I, Ted, I, think it's I don't know how you do this stuff <laughs> sometimes. You are just lucky. The answer is 1981. Scott, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can rats. understand what you're contemplating that one. Well, you know, I, I, I listened to Scott. Whichever one he decided not to pick was the one I went with. That was Well, it's so interesting because he was already working for me in those days. And in 1981, I actually have a copy of that show, but I didn't remember the date. But uh, it, it was one of the aspects that back in those days, if you got on The Tonight Show, it, mm. it was felt like an overnight success of course yep. oh, yeah. most of these people have been doing comedy for years but it, it almost made you an overnight success well let's hear it for ted yes thank you thank you all right. One. all right we'll go to question two so obviously jerry seinfeld who is the king of comedy is also the richest comedian in the world hmm. at the age of 64 what is seinfeld's net worth is it 200 million dollars $750 million, $300 million, or $950 million? Ted, you get to guess first. $750 million. I have no idea. I'll okay. go with $300 million, and I will share a little side story. A million of that would be in tennis shoes. He wears a different new That's pair right. of tennis shoes every day. Wow. That is right. I forgot about that. Well, actually, the correct answer, which is just unreal, $950 million. Holy cow. Ouch. I better uh, uh, get a hold of my old friend. 
right. You so, got a business uh, you want to open with them? Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a book. I can sell them. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll move on to question three. I'm so not Jer doing too well. Well, you're only down one, Scott. You're doing okay. You're only down one here. Jerry Seinfeld, through his sitcom, won numerous awards through the Seinfeld Show. How many primetime Emmys did this TV series win? Ooh. Was it six, 12, 10, or eight? Scott, you get to guess. Uh, I, I actually uh, thought it was six, but if you add all the actors and everything, it could be up to 12. All right. Is it the show or the actors are all in total? It's, Come on, it's be, the, be specific. It's the show Ken. itself, the, the Emmy for the show itself. Six. Six. I'll go with 10. But I don't know what is going on today, but somehow you are pulling these out. and that It's is here fun. for Ted. What an incredible guy, oh ladies God. and gentlemen. And, of course, our loser is Scott. Oh. Well, hey, Scott, uh, uh, how about you uh, rebound and tell us about your podcast. Uh, tell us about the book one more time and anything else that you want to pass along here. Hey, I'd be happy to. And thanks again for having me on, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, the podcast, if you guys are interested in the history of comedy and listening to the material from the 80s and 90s, there are some terrific uh, stand-up comedy and interviews on my podcast, which is called Stand-Up Comedy, your host and MC. It's on all directories. And then, as I mentioned, I have a book, Be a Stand-Up Comic or Just Look Like One, that is available <laughs> Uh, through my website and then launching soon we have the uh, comedy online course that is tied in with the book basically and uh, should be an asset for those that are interested in a little stage time which I do recommend to everybody Ted can you guys need to spend some time on stage well I uh, my wife that. would argue with so. you but uh <laughs> well, Ted, Ted at one point in time did spend time on stage, but we can't talk about that. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's a different, I, I thought well, we were going to with his clothes that. on, but yeah. Yes, thank you. Okay. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I like the name of the book, Scott. I like that. Uh, How to be a stand-up comic or at least look like one. That's. Well, it's interesting. It's it was written uh, at a time when everybody thought they could be a professional comic, and we knew the difference, and we wanted to. The first part of the book is really, hey, you, you sure you want to do this? It's a tough life to lead. It's a tough career. Second half of the book is if you've gotten this far reading it, complete it, and it'll teach you a lot about how to be a professional. It is not about how to be funny. I don't think that can be taught. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a. A good uh, separator there because I think uh, you know a lot of people think you can. Oh well, we'll just teach them to be funny. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's. Yeah. I think uh, you're born with a gift. It's much like an artist or a gardener or a good argument guy like a lawyer. It, it's something you're born with, and uh, you ha you can develop it and you can work on it and hone it over years and time, but you have to have kind of a base, I think. Well, I'm still uh, <clears throat> working on honing and, uh, and uh, fine-tuning here. But, uh, we'll <laughs> <clears throat> Scott, hey, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, no, man, this has been a great. Uh, two guys from Cleveland, and I'll tell you, based on what you just said about the weather, this is as close as I'll be getting to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> The most trusted name in journalism. 
Cyclops Clips. Okay, Ken, here we go. News you probably haven't heard and definitely should have. The Japanese town of Noto has decided to spend its coronavirus relief money on a giant statue of a squid. Oh, wow. The town is known for its squid fishing, so leaders decided the statue could maybe catch the attention of some tourists. The statue, 13 feet high, 29 feet long, cost about $200,000. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Can't that money be used to help people? We have to buy a statue? Oh, I mean, we don't need to on, help man. people. We need a giant squid. Oh, my Lord. Gosh. The heck with the coronavirus. We need the squid. A four-year-old boy in New York State got his mother got into his mother's Amazon account and ordered almost three thousand dollars worth of SpongeBob SquarePants popsicles. Oh Noah Bryant wound up with nine hundred eighteen popsicles, which are non-refundable. Oh no. <laughs> Oh. A family friend did organize a GoFundMe, and it's already raised more than $5,700 to cover the unexpected expense. Time to change your password. How would you How would you like to be the mom taking that delivery from Amazon? How would that roll at your house, by the way? How would that go? <laughs> just going to ask just, that so question not real quick. well. Not yeah, well. Same, same answer here. Yes. Yeah. Well, a property line dispute in Michigan has a stinky solution. Wayne Lambert's neighbor has drawn the property line using cow dung. Oh. The 250-foot-long manure wall carries quite the odor, according to Lambert and others, but Lodi Township leaders, there's nothing they can do about it because it is on the neighbor's property. Wow. Yeah. Maybe this is a new thing. I could try this here in Rocky River. Maybe you could try it in Cleveland Heights. We, we're going to build our own wall and use manure. Yeah. What do you think? Would that, no pun intended, would that fly? I think that would be an interesting. I'd like to hear Eowyn's response to that. I'll ask her and see yeah. what she says. Report back to us, please. I will report to you. Yeah. Okay. Ohio lawmakers held a government Zoom meeting that was live streamed. Oh, no. oh, here, no. we oh, here we go. Here we go. During the live streamed Zoom meeting, they considered a bill to crack down on distracted drivers. A proposal would outlaw texting, taking photos, and using mobile apps while behind the wheel. Would also make both holding and using an electronic device while driving, like looking up directions, a primary offense. Now, during the meeting, State Senator Andrew Brenner could be seen sitting in the driver's seat of his car. He appears to lean forward to turn off the camera, and when the video returns, he magically has a new background that looks like an office. <laughs> Although he does have a seatbelt strapped across his chest, <laughs> a spokesman said the senator was following the law using hands-free technology. Brenner said he was paying attention to driving while listening to the meeting. Oh, my gosh. That is great. Well, you got the background. I'm in the office. Yeah. You're wearing your seatbelt. <laughs> you got to wear a seatbelt at home? <laughs> High contact great. office work. Oh, my gosh. Absolute classic. Well, 
I'm just glad, Ken, that you did not have any distractions here. We were laser focused for this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Episode 54, rolling to a halt as we wrap up this week's episode. Ken, my son's knock-knock joke may be the key to a long career in stand-up comedy. I think so. I think you're right. After you read Scott Edwards' book, I mean, you guys, you might be ready. He can start at a young age. I mean, it seems like he's certainly not afraid to tell jokes. That's half the battle. I'm just hoping that he'll be removed from other activities for the same reason. I think an ongoing removal due to jokes would be a great way to start a career. I, I think you have an opportunity. I know you have camps coming up and all that. Mm-hmm. So I've, has it happened at school at all or not to, your not to my knowledge, but you know, okay. we can hope I could encourage him. Well, who knows? Who knows what he's doing at recess? He might That's be true. holding a comedy club That's out true. there. That could the be yes. a lot. Hey, everybody, Nickel Stan here, and I'll, I'll tell you some jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love oh, Love boy. It. All right. Well, next week on the show, Ken, what do we have? Ted, we're going to change it up a bit. We've had a lot of guests, and we have a lot of guests to come, but I think people would be pars- – well, I'm not saying possibly interested, but <laughs> more than likely maybe interested in hearing the two of us have some amazing conversations on a few mm. different topics and talk about some different things going on in our lives. Oh, so that's what, what, what would be, next week. what would be an example of a topic you'd hope we'd cover next week? Oh, let's see. <laughs> Why are the cabs so bad? Oh, okay. Obviously What's no the, one will listen uh, to that. They're still at 21 wins, right? Yeah. And the over under at Vegas is 21 and a half. So who's so, winning on that one? Uh, Vegas, Vegas, considering <laughs> the team's lost 10 straight. Yeah. All right. Well, well, that's one topic, but the other is obviously a couple dad topics and we'll talk about some other things going on in our lives. We'll make it very entertaining as we usually do. At least we'll try. All right, Ken. Well, that's next week on the show, but could you remind us how we end this week's show? Oh, I certainly could Ted. Just as a reminder, we're just two middle-aged men from Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.